Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Singer-songwriter Jeremy Casella is one of those people who know what to do with loss and hurt and brokenness. He sees beauty and hope even in the midst of apparent ruin, and he gives voice to them. Jeremy and I sat down and had a great conversation this past Valentine's Day. You're going to be glad you listened to this one. Jeremy Casella, I'm so glad you're here. We've been trying to get together for a long time, and here we are. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm, I'm excited about this. Good. Well, I, I, want, <laughs> I, I, uh, I want to start with what may have been one of the first songs you've ever had um, um, recorded. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. You can tell me if this is true or not, but Guide Me O Thou... Great Jehovah, right? You know what you did with Kevin Twitt as as part of the um, the indelible grace. Indelible grace, mm-hmm. yeah. And was that the first indelible grace record? No, I think it was the third. Uh-huh. Um, I came along around the second album. They had made the first album, and uh, I was aware of what they were doing because I yeah. was ending my time at Belmont there. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, that, I think that's either on the third or fourth record, but I, uh-huh. I came on board with Indelible Grace around the end of the second record. Uh-huh. Yeah. But so, um, of course, a very old hymn, Guide Me yeah. Without Great Jehovah. 1773. Okay. It was written. All right. Mm-hmm. And um, the the traditional tune is this, you know, kind of triumphal, Guide yeah. Me Without yeah, right. Great, which I love, by the right. way. Right. And I, when I was a kid, that song we would sing in church and it had a horn section. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Which I always thought was kind of odd, even then, way really? before I even thought of setting it to a song. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you gave it a new setting, this kind of minor key. Mm-hmm. You know, guide me, oh, thou great joke. This, this is, a, I'm considering this a, a bit of a, a, a audition. I'm hoping you'll, you know, that's why I'm singing for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's going no. <laughs> um, But it, it's, as I said, I've always loved that. I've loved the original, and I love mm. yours, mm. and your setting sort of awakened me to things in that song that I didn't know were there, mm. right? You know, this this uh, longing mm-hmm. um, instead of, you know, the original, you know, sounds like, hey, we got this all figured out, don't we? <laughs> you know, guide me. Right. This, you just show me where to go, and I'm, yeah. you know, Everything is clear. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and then, uh, in, and by the way, I had known you for a little while. I'd known the song for a while, and then when I found out that you that that was your version, I was like, "What? This is this is so a this is great, and b this makes so much sense that Jerry McSella is the one who oh. who, who did this." Um, so, what's the question? I just want to talk about. I mean, I, I yeah. want the. You say even as even as a as a kid, you thought it was kind of strange for this song well, to sound I, so upbeat. When I was a kid, um, I grew up in, and I didn't. I'm piecing all this together now as. 43 year old you know father of five and everything but uh, I grew up in a my background is pretty ecumenical you know I didn't realize <laughs> you know you never know when you're you know young <laughs> but uh I grew up in in the Presbyterian Church and then I went to Catholic schools okay but then um, for a good chunk of my youth like uh, we were involved in a Christian missionary Alliance Church which okay. is like you know it's also Presbyterian-ish, but that's the church that I first heard God me without great Jehovah. We were living in Dayton, Ohio, and I was probably thirteen, mm-hmm. maybe fourteen uh, years old. And um, and yeah, um, they had a horn section at church on Sunday and a choir and all that stuff. And so I remember the text um, or the tune, 
And then later, years later, you know, Kevin Twitt had um, handed out these. Um, he'd gone on Amazon and he'd ordered like 50 copies of this book called uh, Our Own Hymn Book. It was Spurgeon's mm-hmm. hymnal from his church in um, in England. Mm-hmm. And it had no music. It was just words. And mm-hmm. it was, it, I'm not kidding, it was probably a couple thousand hymns. Really? Texts, yeah, that were just in there. And Kevin said, you know, we would we would leave RUF and he would hand out, he was handing out these, uh, standing by the door with this big, huge box of Amazon books, handing out these books to anyone who wanted one. And I uh, wanted one. <laughs> and so that's how I came across that text without music. And I remembered it. William Williams wrote it in 1773, and um, it just struck me as a minor setting, you know, minor key. And it did. I mean, I, you know, um, it all kind of came really fast, the music for that. And I have been uh, joyfully amused at the life that that song continues to have. It's just, it just keeps going. And, um, and I actually heard from a, a guy in Wales. So William Williams was a Welsh pastor. Uh-huh. And what he would do is he'd travel from parish to parish on horseback, Saturdays and Sundays, preaching as probably as many as, they, from what I've read, four or five different churches uh, every week. Mm-hmm. He also wrote over like 6,000 hymns. Really? Yeah. So, you know. He's an energetic guy. Right. This is, yeah. And this was one of them. And um, I think it's probably his most popular hymn. And, um, he uh, from was from Wales, and so years later, you know, of course, with this song, I heard from a guy in Wales. He emailed me, um, and he sent me a recording of another hymn with my tune set oh, really? to it. And he was saying that the tune for God Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, do you know that it also works for these four or five other hymns, <laughs> which was crazy. So yeah. I love it. Um, and I love that it resonates with people, and that text definitely resonates with me. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad that it. Has and life. so, yeah, um, it's I, a gift, I'm, man. You know, it's like a gift. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about the, um, you know, your choice to. I mean, you're, you're you sing a lot of songs in a minor key, right? Sure. Grief, yeah. sadness, loss is is a recurring theme mm-hmm. in your in your music. Um, which feels like a choice by choosing to do that. Um, feels like a choice. Like you, you are you're basically saying you're giving up on on radio play. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, sure, uh, I guess. Like, um, I mean, so I'm an I'm a primarily have worked and traveled in Christian music circles. Yeah. As an independent artist, I mm-hmm. flirted with a mainstream label. I had a mainstream deal for about nine months with this record label called Universal South, and mm-hmm. they were trying to sort of break into Christian music as a business back then. But I went back to being independent. Um, yeah, I think because I'm independent as an artist, and you know, I play primarily in churches and colleges and mm-hmm. in recent years, um, house concerts, mm-hmm. I've never felt any pressure to... Um, outside of whatever involvement I had with the music industry, Christian music industry here in Nashville, to try to, um, well, I did at first, right? Like when you're younger, you start out, you think you want to try to yeah, be right. what people want you to be, mm-hmm. which means what are you going to talk about? So, um, but I don't necessarily think that 
being honest and talking about things that are that we all experience um, is a bad business decision. <laughs> um, yeah, but maybe maybe in certain ways it it has been. But I I don't know, man. It's um. I guess I just I want to try to be as truthful about things as I can. And I've used songwriting, I've realized now, you know, I've used songwriting for many years as a way to just kind of process life and yeah. process what I was thinking and feeling and learning, uh-huh. even without knowing that's what I was doing. And, um, and so, you know, I've been fortunate that that's um, been something I can sell and make a living from. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, peeling all those layers back, I'm still mostly just interested in trying to get at the truth of things. And, you know, I think just like anybody else, I also don't want to look at the truth of things with everything <laughs> in me, right? So, yeah. um, but I kind of can't avoid it. And Can you, so you just mentioned. speaking about me. <laughs> yeah, right. So you mentioned early on in your, you know, when you were young, you mm-hmm. wanted to, to be what people, you know, said success looked like or, or whatever. Yeah, um, or what I thought that was. What sure. you thought, yeah. And and so do you – how did you settle into um, – how did you get from that to – actually, I'm just going to uh, give an account of what I've seen in, in the world. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean lot, you, you have a distinct yeah. voice, it seems to me. Well, thank you. Um, That's really kind. And and for you to settle into that instead of – I mean, that, that voice that you've settled into um, or that you have let out or what – I don't know what the right – verb is there mm. but um probably not what you thought people originally were wanting from you when you sure first well started. a whole lot of failure is how i got there right i mean uh-huh. i think um my record deal fell through uh we had put a record uh together it was a hundred and thirty thousand dollars that they spent on this record wow produced by the my still to this day one of my close friends monroe jones mm-hmm. grammy winning producer i mean he had all the had the Blind Boys of Alabama on oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, it was mixed, so great. sequenced, mastered. They did the photo shoot. Everything was ready to go. And um, the record label, like, imploded before the record could come out. They lost a bunch of money on another artist. And so, you know, um, that was failure by proxy, I suppose. But mm. failure, you know, <laughs> it was off on my own. And um, couldn't really... I think by God's grace, you know, couldn't really seem to get a fire going with, with the commercial side of industry with with my music, um, and I. There was a lot of like I took a lot of that on myself at the time. Mm-hmm. This was two thousand three, two thousand four. You know, many years ago. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm you know I'm a, I'm a failure. I, you know, I'm, I've wasted my life or whatever it was when yeah. you're in your twenties and you can't really <laughs> see the forest for the trees. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think, like like I said a minute ago, you peel back the layers. I mean, what I'm really interested in, that's why I love your podcast, um, what I'm really interested in at the end of the day is, um, is saying and connecting to the truth of things and um, doing that in a way that's going to hopefully serve people yeah. and allow me to grow. Yeah. Um, by using a gift that God's given me to to do that with, um, and that feels like success to me. Yeah, and and that's always been there, right? But I've refused to look at it as the viable, in you know, central, integral 
main throughway to growth or whatever you want through throughway to growth if you want to call it that until you get older and you realize yeah right man all these things have been shaken off of me this is really where my heart is and yeah and it's always been here i just didn't understand wow that's and that's great. just grace so i think a whole lot of failure <laughs> <laughs> um you said something a minute ago that that i, I mentioned it and i want to return to you, you you paired two things together that i'm not sure i'd ever thought about pairing them together and that is singing you know Producing things that serve and love the the audience, the mm-hmm. listener, the reader, whatever, and that help you to grow or something like that. Yeah, um, forms you and shapes you. Yeah, can you talk about that a minute? I mean, the, the relationship because those, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to push writers to love and serve and forget yeah. about yourself. Right. But but on the other hand. What you're saying here makes perfect sense. That as you love and serve, you know, there's there is growth and there's. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I mean, why you put those two things together? Two thoughts, yeah, from come to mind in two two writers that I really love, and um, I know you probably love too. Maybe people listening to this. So Wendell Berry, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard him say that he's thankful to his work, <laughs> right, for how it's shaped him and formed mm-hmm. him. So he's not his work. Yeah. He's thankful to it. Mm-hmm. Really healthy. Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. And when I heard that, I thought, I don't get that. What What does he mean? Huh. So I had to sit with that, and then I had to own it. Mm. And then Eugene Peterson, yeah. my friend Greg, who lives in Ireland, is a great filmmaker, little short films. He makes these really brilliant films. They're on YouTube. And um, I think it's called Tiny Arc Productions, if you search on there. But he's interviewed... Um, and done little mini documentaries on Eugene Peterson, Phyllis Tickle, really? Tony Campolo, yeah. But the one with Peterson is just gold. And he flew to Montana from Ireland and spent some time with him oh, about a year before Peterson died. Uh-huh. Last fall, I guess it was. And uh, he said that um, at the end of this whole long interview about Peterson's life, it's like a 20-minute little video about his work and his life and his family and his writing and his pastoring work, he said, you know, at the end of all this, like, documentary, he asks him, um, what is it, how do you feel about all this stuff? And you're in the twilight of your life, and you're looking back, and we've talked about all these things you've done, and, and you've been about as a writer and as a pastor, and as really as a follower of Jesus, which that's something I'm really interested in. Um, he just kind of paused, and he real quiet, and he goes, I just feel like Eugene... Oh wow! Which is such a beautiful, simple way of saying I've, I've, I'm becoming, and I've become myself. Yeah, in in a healthy, Christ-centered, serving, loving other people. I've given so much of the crap away, got rid of all that stuff, and I can actually, I, I can bring my full self to others, and. and I don't know. I just I thought that it struck me as so beautiful. It's worth seeing in the video. Yeah. It's really powerful. Yeah. So anyway, that that's I think that's what I would say is um, just trying to serve and love other people as best you can. It takes a long time to you gotta you gotta make peace with yourself to do that first, I guess. And yeah, writing for me has been a place where the, some of that's happened. Yeah. Um, well, it, it it feels like it works both ways. Like you uh-huh. you you. you can love and serve others when you've when you've got some yourself, but then but then that's loving and serving others is is formational and and gives you more of yourself. Oh yeah, right, exactly. You give yourself away, but you're you're not 
it's uh, it fills you up. Mm-hmm. You know, fills you uh, up. Whoever wants to save his life has gotta, to lose it. Got to lose it. Yeah. And, um, so, in in one of your songs, which one was it? I've got it written down here. Uh, the, yeah, the slow surrender. And I've got the line wrong. So you have to help me with it. We're blessed by failure by design. Is that mm-hmm. is that what the line yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. We're blessed by failure by design. What does that mean? We're blessed with failure. By blessed design. with failure yeah. by design. Well, it means the process is not fragile, <laughs> right? Like um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Joe Henry. He's a musician. Lives out in um, L.A. Really great producer and songwriter, and he's kind of an American Americana artist. But um, I read this interview with him last year in Tape Op, this recording magazine that I love so much. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, um, he's talking about his his production style, his recording style, and his approach to, to work. Mm-hmm. Basically, is that that the process is not fragile. That that you know, for me, what that means is, and what I took from that, and is that I kind of came into this whole thing thinking like everything has to line up, right? Oh like, yeah. I got to be in the perfect financial place, the perfect spiritual place, work myself into this condition to where now I can pour out of myself whatever yeah. music man that's just a bunch of garbage right like <laughs> like the process isn't fragile like if you're exhausted you know get some sleep then wake up brew yourself some coffee put your derriere in the chair yeah. and uh, and see what happens like this is not a fragile process now we are I I'll speak for myself I'm fragile <laughs> I'm a mess right but the work is yeah. it, is not fragile. The process is not fragile, and I think that's really helped me. Um, and so that line there, the slow surrender, is just kind of the whole idea of that song. Is well, there's a lot going on in that song, but of that idea is just that, um, hey, that we don't have to be so precious about all this stuff because it's not it's not that fragile. Yeah. We're fragile, but we can surrender to what is here and relax and work in that and um, rest into that. Work into that from rest. So. Yeah, that is man. I love that. Thanks. Yeah, hope that makes sense. <laughs> I, that made, made sense to me. Um, and so, what are some ways in which that realization that that the process isn't so fragile, mm. even if you are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of situations in which remembering that has has helped you to to move forward? Well, sure. Um, for my, I have this record that just came out in November called Spirit, and yeah. um, and I wrestled for many, many months, you know, working on these songs, and uh, sometimes I'd get stuck and stuck again, and then come back the next day and still be stuck. Um, I think you just keep. Sh- for me, it's I, the faith that the process, the faith I have developed, or that's been that I've. The muscles of faith I've been exercising with this idea that the process is fragile means I can show up tomorrow just as like I did today. I don't. My emotional condition, man, it waxes and wanes, right? Mm -hmm. Some days I feel like I could take on the world. Some (laughs) days I feel like uh, I want to crawl under my couch Mm -hmm. and not come out. Some days uh, I'm somewhere in between there. Um, But the gift and the talent, the 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 spark, whatever you want to call that. It burns every day. Um, I think we show up to warm ourselves by it, you know. So hmm. that's what I would say. Um, yeah, the the it just gives me faith to show up every day. Um, and I've learned to try to talk, and also extrapolating from that, I'm trying to learn and remember. So I wrote down. I have a journal for this record of the process of writing and all the things I was thinking and feeling while I was writing this record because. 
I knew that when I was done, I would forget. And then I would go put myself through this whole awful process again next time. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to let that happen, so I'm going to write <laughs> all this down so I remember how much of a struggle and how much internal dialogue there was going on just to quiet all that stuff because that's just part of the process, you know. Yeah. I think it means something's being born. So just have the faith to show up. I mean, that's what it means to me. It's like, yeah. You know, just show up. Trust the process. So next time you write a record – by the way, do you write all the time or do you just write for a record? Well, um, I used to just write for records, Mm -hmm. but now um, I'm writing on Mondays and Fridays, Okay. period. Um, I'm sorry we're interrupting your writing. No, no, no. This is great. Um, Well, I don't write all day Friday. I write in (laughs) three and a half, four-hour chunks. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I got that from the War of Art, actually. Yeah, okay. And that really works for me. Uh But, um, but yeah – I used to just write, and I was, I, to be honest with you, like when I when you messaged me about coming on here, I thought he doesn't want to talk to me because like I am the worst, like I'm the I'm the poser writer, right? You know, like that's not true, but um, yeah. but I can so easily succumb to just sure months and months of just internal silence with writing, yeah, which is just fear, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and so um, I'm trying to stay in the soup. Uh, of writing, <laughs> yeah, and I've got a lot cooking right now, which feels really good. So I'm 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 encouraged that I've, you know, started to kind of cross that barrier of um, staying in the process. Yeah, that's I was, what Tom uh, Douglas told me to do. Uh huh. You know him? I do. I want him to get him on this podcast. Gosh, oh, he'd be fantastic. So much wisdom. You know what he told me? He said, um, he said, when the song is done, I hate the song. I moved on to the next one. He goes, I don't hate it. Hate it. But what I mean is, I have to stay in the process. Mm. You've got to stay in the process. And I thought, like, yeah, okay, I need to find out what that means. So I'm going to put on my backpack, go camping, stay in the process, you know. Yeah. Um, what does a backpack ever do? I don't understand that. Well, metaphor. just stay on the trail, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. stay, um, arrive. Like, so I've allowed, so when my record was finished, I, I allowed myself like a month mm-hmm. to just enjoy that, yeah. take a deep breath. I had a lot left over that I didn't put on the record yeah. that I knew were starts for what was next. Yeah. But I took a month to to rest and uh-huh. uh, and then dive back in. Yeah. Um, it was, is this, and this is a new thing? Is this a new thing for you to dive back in? It is, yeah, because I would just go back. Well, I, I tour a ton, so that's how I make my living is yeah. I sell my music online, but I, I sell it at shows. Yeah. And, um, and so I have to go play shows. So it's yeah. easy for me just to do that and not sure. write, yeah. you know. Yeah, and that's I'm I'm doing both now, which I and that may seem so small, but it's it's huge for me just yeah. to stay in the soup. So yeah, what I mean by keep your back, put on my backpack, like you know, uh, you haven't arrived, stay on the road. You yeah. Know. Um, this this is an odd question, but if you're if you're touring, if you're making your living touring, how is it that Fridays can be a one of your writing days? Well, I only tour, um, I tour uh, every other weekend. Uh-huh. Um, and every other week, rather. So, like, uh, in the in the, the fall's my busiest time. Spring's pretty busy. Summer's pretty light. I don't tour at all in the winter. Uh-huh. So, I have a schedule. Yeah. And I schedule it. So, if I'm, I guess I should say, um, if I'm on the road, I'm not riding, really. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but if I'm home, uh, I am. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. how it works. Yeah. I love it. So, so it, 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 does it feel like you have you have turned some corner? You've you've got over some hump. For me, it does, yeah. and and um, I uh, 
I love it's just an internal goal I had and um so far so good um yeah you know feels yeah. like growth that's great yeah I'm thankful all right um before we run out of time I want to ask you about there's there is a a writer about writing that you've talked to me about mm-hmm. before and I yeah. want to talk about her just a little bit yeah um before I ask you my last question which you know what that is and that's, right. yeah um <laughs> Any regular listener to this podcast knows what the last question is. I hope, but right. um, but tell me about your. Now I've forgotten the name of the writer yeah, we're talking Pat about. Pat Schneider. Pat Schneider. Yeah. So I came across Pat Schneider. Uh, it was a book called um, "Writing Alone and with Others," uh-huh. and then there's another book she wrote called um, "How the Light Gets In." I first heard of her from Leslie Jordan, who's a great songwriter here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. She runs an organization called The Fold, mm-hmm. which I've joined this this year. Okay. Um, it's a writer's collaborative that meets on Tuesday mornings from 9 a.m. to 11. And it's just writing prompts, free uh-huh. writing. And and is it both songwriters it is, and yeah, other kind of writers? Man, it's everybody. Yeah. It's like poets, you know, authors, um, bloggers, yeah. um, musicians, songwriters. Um, yeah, there's just anybody who wants to just journalers. Like, oh, really? Yes, it's literally... Really? Because the point of the so far, it's a six-week collaborative and runs in six-week cycles. The point is to to discover and to get really well acquainted with your own original voice, hmm. um, which I've spent most of my life trying to avoid. <laughs> you know, yeah. see that I find that so hard to believe. I mean, just knowing your music. But anyway, well, that's kind of you. I mean, it's that, I'm being kind. I'm that's the internal, the internal thing, right? Like. And that kind of goes back to the light, the processes and fragile. Like I have just realized, like oh, all of this internal turmoil that I'm feeling when I'm writing is not writing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is that? You know? <laughs> so it's time to go to counseling. And um, so yeah, and what comes out of these little ten minute prompts? So we'll get together of two hours. She gives us a prompt. I'm sorry. What's the connection Leslie. between the fold and this book? Are the you about fold. To say? Sorry. So the AW. I apologize. AWA or AWA. It's authors, writers, um, Amherst writers and authors, or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, it's Pat Schneider's method of um, of teaching writing uh-huh. uh, to anyone who's interested uh-huh. um, to connect with their own original voice. There's a series of exercises and curriculum that she's developed. Okay. All right. And so. Gotcha. Leslie went to Massachusetts and is or, is um, ordained. I almost said she's certified <laughs> and ordained to uh, to lead these workshops. And I heard about it from her uh-huh. um, and from some friends who told me about it and um, and read the books while I was working on my last record. Mm-hmm. And it was so helpful. Wow. Oh yeah. And so I was chomping at the bit to do this with a group, even yeah. though I was terrified. Yeah. Um, to be in a group where people critique your writing and yeah. all that personally speaking i was really afraid but um but that has been really helpful for me in identifying and separating the fear i feel and the anxiety that i feel from the actual use of writing and the gift of writing and man it's just um it's been really helpful so wow i wish i wish we had more time to talk about that distinction between your anxiety and your and your writing mm-hmm. um but since we don't, um, I'm going to move on to the last question. Mm. Who are the writers who make you want to write? Mm-hmm. Well, um, 
I'm not uh, trying to win favor with you, but uh, your book on Flannery O'Connor, I loved it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and I loved her stuff. But after yeah. I read your book on her, this is some years ago, and I remember texting you. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I do, yeah. But um, I finished it and shot you a whole series of texts. But uh, <laughs> it it was so helpful for me. to, And I went back and reread a lot of her stuff with new, new yeah. eyes. I love, I love that book by you, and I love her stuff, Flannery O'Connor. Um, uh I have musicians that I would yeah. tell you writers. So Gillian Welch, Dave Rawlings, I think are really fascinating uh-huh, yeah. writers. Uh, Jason Isbell to me oh, is man. he's a Flannery O'Connor yeah. uh, type of songwriter. I agree. Uh, he is. There's so much going on there. Yeah. I kind of wonder if he even realizes when he's doing it. Probably not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's some some of his st- like I'm sure he gets it when it's done. Uh, yeah. But he stands back and looks at all of it. But it, it's just. Those, the trio of records, Southeastern, Something More yeah. Than Free, and the Nashville Sound, yeah. they are like um, quite a trilogy. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and it's funny you compared him to Flannery O'Connor because I, a, a, I was a visitor at a Flannery O'Connor book club a few weeks ago where they always have some music. Going. Like they, try to make, they try to get food related to their author and, yeah. and, and they try to play some music in the background. And they said, you know, who should we play? I'm like, Jason Isbell. Yeah. yeah. And, and Shovels and Rope was the other one I said we right. need to play for. Yeah, for, for he's fantastic. Um, and I think I feel I feel fortunate to be alive while he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. That's how I feel. His, uh, that, that song about the vampires, because yeah. this is Valentine's Day that we're recording this. <laughs> uh, that's just my – it's like the best love song for old people ever yeah, written. It is. You know? It's powerful. Um, I love Springsteen, Tom Petty. Yeah. Um, Paul McCartney, I think, is a fascinating songwriter. Um, can we talk about Tom Petty for a minute? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because um, I love Tom Petty. Yeah. And um, I and it makes me happy that real songwriters like Tom Petty. Like, can you tell me about what's what, what you like about? He's a Tom craftsman. Petty? Yeah. I think the the mark of a craftsman is at least for songwriting is uh, he's a master of simplicity. Mm-hmm. You look at his songs, and it's just they're. You and I could I could pick up a guitar and play them for you. We could figure them out in five minutes. They're mm-hmm. just they're not complex musically, but they're so well done. Mm-hmm. And um, I love how he turns a phrase. You know, yeah. um, he's just a fantastic songwriter, and he's a craftsman in the sense that he was a student of the masters. I mean, there's a reason that you know uh, people like Roy Orbison and Bob Dylan and uh, Jeff Lynne and uh, George Harrison. Um, you know, owned him as a basically a you know an associate with the Traveling Wilburys. Mm-hmm. It's because he he was, and of course you don't think about that. But if you look about the, those records back then, he was the young guy in the mix uh-huh. of, with the old legends. Yeah, but he was writing stuff that was from cut from the same cloth that those guys were pulling yeah. from. I mean, you can't miss that. You know, there's a documentary about the making of those records and. You, you know, you see him in the room with Bob Dylan, and they're working on a lyric, and he's just as comfortable as can be. <laughs> now, that's a no-brainer because you think of he was Tom Petty, but if you think yeah. about where he yeah. came from, you know, I know I, I love the fact that he, for his, his whole life, he sounded like he was a North Florida mm-hmm. country boy. Yeah, yeah, and he owned it. Yeah, I mean, talk about writing from your own original voice. I mean, you hear yeah. you hear a lick on the, on the well. It's part of that's Mike Campbell, but uh, and they're quite a duo, which is one of the coolest things about being in a band but like <laughs> but you hear a song you know right away that's yeah. Tom Petty yeah that's Tom Petty and when he <laughs> died I was so sad yeah 
And I was so surprised at how sad I was because mm. I was like, I've never met this guy. I've yeah. never been like a, like a stalker fan. Yeah. But my goodness, he his songs like worked their way into my life and they're, you know, and they're yeah. welcome visitors. When yeah. They, you, know. you know, every Tom Petty song makes me think I'm in high school. Yeah, and I think of it, you know, what every time I hear it, I think, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 17 right. years old in Warner Robins High School. Oh yeah, and then I, and then I'll go look up and realize I was a, f- a father of three kids when this song came out, yeah. and, it, and I thought it was from when right. I was in high school. Right. It's just yeah. Oh, I just love him. Yeah, and just because I'm a nerd and I want to make sure I miss mention all these writers, so I also have down here Rich Mullins, of course, from yeah. Bob Dylan, um, Jeff Tweedy. Patty uh-huh. Griffin, um, Buddy and Julie Miller, and then lately, uh, Lori McKenna. Do you know who she no, is? I don't she's know. a Nashville writer. Really? She's a huge, hugely talented. She's written a ton of huge songs, but she's a hugely talented songwriter. Um, just a craftsman. Yeah. In every every possible way. I'm gonna check her out. I heard her open for Patty Griffin. My wife and I went to see Patty at the Ryman uh-huh. last uh, last summer in. Um, Lori came out and opened, and I'd never heard her stuff before. I'd heard of her, uh-huh. and I was blown away. She has really? a song called "People Get Old," uh-huh. that is just—it'll just break your heart in the best way. Make you—it just makes you, you. When the song is over, you feel first of all, you feel like you just watched a three-hour movie, and it's like <laughs> three and a half minutes long. Really? Yeah, and then you just—it it pulls emotion out of you. And I love songs that take you to, like you're talking about. You know, when you hear Tom Petty, you go back to high school. Those are all sense memories that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think musicians, songwriters, can kind of go to those places in their own life and pull them out and put them in their songs, so that when you hear it, they might be talking about their life, but yeah. you you're pulled into your own life in a yeah. more intense way because of it. Man, so, why are you bringing up sense memory when we're completely out of time? I don't know. Thank well, you for. Uh, I, I I wish we. Uh, I want to talk about that too. Maybe we'll have to do this uh, again. I would love to. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Thanks I for love having talk- me. Always, always love talking to you. Thanks for having me. Likewise. <laughs> the Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song Too Good as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs. The Habit membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at TheHabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.